Good morning, it's 970 WAMD Aberdeen, and this is the Hartford Edge, keeping you on the edge of what's new in Hartford County and beyond. I'm co-host Leslie Greenlee-Smith with the Hartford County Public Library, and I'm here with Bob Mumby. The Hartford Edge is brought to you each week by your Hartford County Public Library. Today we'll be speaking with Kent Murray, board member, Maryland Horse Breeders Association, and Bill Reitler, also a board member with the Maryland Horse Breeders Association. Good morning, Mr. Mumby. Good morning, and good morning, gentlemen. Uh, so many questions, <laughs> and it's such an interesting topic, and I think uh, it is. We, it, this means so much to our state in so many ways, and I think a lot of folks would love to be to understand even more about what this great uh, industry uh, does for us. First, we do a little bit of complaining. Well, yeah. We're not perfect. Complaining. <laughs> I tried to First is, got a call the other day from the Na um, National Firefighters Burn Fund. Okay, that all important. Never give money to these cold callers. Never, ever, 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 no matter how good it sounds. 80 to 90% of the money goes to the cold calling firm that makes the calls. And maybe a tiny bit makes it back to the charity, if in fact the charity is even legitimate. Uh -huh. um, this one I looked up. Uh, they've raised over the past five years over $6 million. 91 was paid, a percent was paid in marketing fees. Uh, less than a half a percent went to some firefighter cause the rest went to salaries wow. of the charity That's a huge um, number. and it's just and they call up and people say you know children's cancer fund or empowering this or that and it is it's billions of dollars a year and it's disgusting yeah. the other thing is um can we say yeah. no you know i hate it when you go kevin can we say I'm going to give you a pass today. Mayor Pugh. Yes. What was she thinking? I know. I'm just curious. I'm sure she's a lovely person on some way. Did she think it was okay or did she think she wouldn't get caught? I think she probably thought she wouldn't get caught. Okay. Cause but she's getting caught big time. Yeah, they. The, I mean, the raids are underway. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel bad for because I know one or two of the people that are on her yes in yep. her circle and they yep. and they're gonna they were they were used yep um okay then i won't do the third one okay that's, so we'll just st stick with that and do trivia good job good job i've been loving the weather until today with the rain but it's been absolutely beautiful i'm ready for summer yes um let's hope we have a nice long spring Mm -hmm. We sort of, I think it went, we had like a week-long spring yes. last year, if I remember. And then it was hot and sultry. But I've, uh, I clear off a fresh um, millimeter of pollen off my oh, deck furniture, true. seems every few days now. True, so. allergies are, are horrible right now for a lot of people that I know. Okay, so. All right, you guys ready for some trivia? Sure. There's, all right. Question number one. Who wrote and recorded the one-hit wonder, Spirit in the Sky, released in late 1969? I know that. I know you know that. I figured you would know that. Spirit in the Sky. I can 
I can sing the chorus in my head. I did not know the answer. I can, I can if sing you the sing chorus the chorus, too. and we'll you know the guitar the with the re reverb <laughs> uh -huh. on it. Uh huh. Not a real rock star name. I yeah, one hit wonder. Norman Greenbaum. That's true. Bob. <laughs> Good job. Good job. And I remember watching him on Ed Sullivan, so I have to <laughs> age myself a little bit. Sullivan who? All right. In most modern vehicles, the carburetor has been replaced with what? Fuel injector. You got it. Good job, Kent. You can't just go out and spray some ether on it anymore on <laughs> 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 cold mornings. <laughs> Those things are gone. I had an old Dodge Dart that I... Uh, the uh, starter wasn't engaging, and I used to turn on the ignition, open the hood, and connect the two external leads with a screwdriver to turn it over. <laughs> I had a tractor. I used to do that. Too. <laughs> <laughs> now you need an electrical engineer and a computer scientist. Yeah, my dad used to work on my car. He doesn't anymore because he's like, you can't. They make yeah, it so I know. you can't. All I, right. I saw um, Chip uh, Chip Norman. Wayne's son a few months ago at a Wawa and he had this old triumph that Wayne had found. There was a tree growing through the floorboard and he opened the, I swear the engine looked like it, it had six, six parts. It was a beautiful thing to see. All righty. Switching a little bit, which city is traditionally said to be built on seven hills? Which city is traditionally said to be built on seven hills? Are you looking up the answers over there? No, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that would be allowed on our show. <laughs> uh, it's not a city here. It's a city overseas. Is it my wife's ancestors yes, come from that is. country? My wife's maiden name was Pacino. <laughs> Is it Rome? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes, it is. Good guess. Speaking of, is anybody watching Jeopardy? I watched the tail end of it last that night. Guy that, is that guy's insane. incredible. He, he, he is. looked like he was having an off night last night. Though. He was having. He got a couple wrong. My husband yeah. was like, "Yes." But but did he did he actually get over a hundred thousand in one show? He did last week. I yeah. think Wednesday or Thursday. <clears throat> last yeah. night he only got ninety, but. Mm -hmm. uh, He's well over a million. He might, he, yeah, is he getting all the doubles? He must be. He gets all the doubles, but here's his strategy. He starts at two thousand and goes up. He starts at the most expensive. Oh, okay. And goes up, and so you hit the double quicker. Oh, and he has more money probably when yeah. he hits the double. And when he doubles, he usually like last night. His first question, um, he bet all sixty six hundred. So immediately he had twelve thousand. I feel bad for the people that are on with him right now. <laughs> Because he's really fast with the clicker too, so they're just like standing there. Yeah, I was when I was watching last night. The woman I could see she was trying to oh, click really fast she was, because she yeah. knew he was going to click fast. Mm -hmm. So she was really trying to be on it, but it yeah. didn't, didn't do her any good. No, it didn't, and she was pretty animated about her frustration. Yes, <laughs> she did. She did well. Well, I I, I remember someone sent me. Remember that Ken Jensen, mm -hmm. who at the time was. He still, he, he had over 70 wins. He won over, okay. and he was this, he's actually uh, a Mormon and very proper and okay. very soft-spoken. But there was one, and I happen to be watching it live, but now it's sort of viral. Uh -huh. It said, this 
uh, um, is is a name for a person with loose morals, but it also is a garden tool. Okay. And he he Alex, what is a hoe? Oh my god. And Alex started laughing. He goes, "No, we were looking for a rake." Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. This guy is actually pretty soft-spoken and reserved, too. He keeps it yeah. tight to his chest. So it's wow. been interesting. We'll see who beats him. But on to our next question. The meat of a game animal, such as deer, is called what? Venison. Yes, yeah. good job. In unison, Bill and Kent. All right, an octopus can fit through any hole larger than its what? An octopus can fit through any hole larger than its what? Head? They call it a beak, but it is, yeah. Okay. Yep. I saw um, a picture the other day of octopus eggs. They're semi-translucent, so you could see, and there's hundreds of them, and there's all these little oh my word. octopi in each one. It's really disturbing. Do they all survive? <laughs> Do you know? Mm -hmm. Like all those hundreds of eggs, do they all survive? Uh, I'm not sure. I just, they're hard to look at. <laughs> oh, all right. What is the slang military term for the distance of one kilometer? The slang military term for the distance Click. of one Good job, Kent. Oh. You should try out for Jeopardy. Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> I keep telling Bob to. It's a... I'm rereading Moby Dick, which okay. is the, one of the best pieces of literature I've read that, yes. ever. Mm -hmm. And I got, naturally I only get through a page and I Google five sure. things about it. Like what is a, uh, what's a scupper and uh, um, a telltale, um, which is a little compass in the captain's quarters. So oh. it doesn't have to go up to the, the deck. Um but nautical miles and knots, do you know? Knots uh, was, knots uh, per hour was to go one degree in the latitude um, because it's constant, not the longitude, because the, um, along the longitudinal line. Okay. And it was one minute uh, okay. for every not or something like that. So it will take you forever to get through that book. Yes, it has. <laughs> it's a long book to start with, too. It is. Um, okay. Who won a gold medal for Spain in cycling in the 1992 Olympics? This is a tough one. Uh, that was my first one, but I was like, I better not start with that one. What, he won like four in a row, didn't he? I believe he did. What's her initials? J-M-M. Um, J-M. You may not. I don't know if they use his middle name. Oh, um, Jose. Yeah. Uh, yep, yep, well, yep. that's neat. <laughs> <laughs> Jose Martin Moreno. Moreno is his last name. His okay. middle name is Manuel. Good okay. job. I have... <laughs> That's why you should be on Jeopardy. See, you know what that piece of information crowded out? My anniversary date. Right. Sorry, Cindy. I'm not responsible. He'll remember that forever. 
All right. How many paintings did Vincent Van Gogh sell during his lifetime? I'm guessing the way you asked it. No. Yes. Close. <laughs> one? One. One. He sold one. one during his lifetime called the Red Vineyard at Arles. Huh. Huh. Troubled guy. Yeah, he became more famous after his death, as does happen sometimes. All right. In what country did table tennis originate? Table tennis originated in what country? Because they're they're always good at they always win now. Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Not if you're thinking an Asian country. Oh. Yeah, that's what I was thinking no. also. A very proper country. Oh, England. England. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yep. Yep. Anybody play table tennis? Occasionally. Occasionally in the yeah. basement. Yeah. Spike a few good ones. Bounce <laughs> off the walls. Now it's now Sometimes. the ping pong table is used for uh, <laughs> storage. <laughs> yeah, or beer pong. <laughs> All right, we're going to end with this one. Who was at the top of Forbes' 2015 list of the richest people in the world? 2015, four years ago. I suspect he's been on there a couple times. So it wasn't Bezos yet. It was not Bezos yet. Gates? Yes. Bill Gates. Huh. Yep. <clears throat> okay. You okay. guys did awesome. You did. Okay. Okay. Well, I have one. How many Triple Crown winners have there been? I'm going to guess. I don't know, but I would guess 15. Very close. 13. Oh. I was going to guess four, so I would have been way <laughs> off. There was, like, there was eight up until... 48, then a 30-year gap, and then it was three in five, yeah. four years out affirmed. And then another long gap. Then another long gap, and now we've had two. Now, that's uh, one of the things we want to ask you folks, what you, your theories on that are. Um, it's a pure just happenstance that it they've come in bunches and droughts, mm-hmm. uh, but we can uh, do that. Okay. Um, you want to do some local news? Yeah, we will do some local news. Um, I do, I do want to congratulate the Teacher of the Year, um, uh, Paige Milanowski. Uh, I always want to shout out to these folks that work a lot more time than they put in the cl- just the classroom. Mm-hmm. And um, talk about things that are most important to us. Teachers and law enforcement, so anytime any one of them is recognized, we like to, to recognize it. Good job, Paige. Yesterday at the legislative breakfast, uh, Senator Robert Cassley put a little scare into us, but I think he's correct in that if the Kerwin Commission's um, recommendations are instituted, it could be... Um, a huge rise in our property tax uh, in all oh, the counties. Yeah, absolutely. So, it's got to come from somewhere. That's um, that's that's to be watched very closely. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but uh, nothing decided yet. But uh, Bob did there uh, did a little wake up call yesterday, and that and that was very interesting. We had a carnival that had to shut down. Yes, and there's an update on the other carnival this morning. I don't know if you've heard. No. Are you talking about the one at East Point Mall? Right. 
they canceled the one at White Marsh for May. Really? Yeah. Just um, wow. Wow. Um, I guess we got to do a little more planning on the farm fair and make sure. Yeah. Yeah, and the because... Carmel and Habit Grace and, you know, all these public outings are a great time, but not if people are naughty. Yep. Youngsters are angry and somewhat unaccountable, so. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that will be it uh, on the news. Um, let's. Um, we have a real lot to talk about. We so. do. We do. So let's take a little break, and when we come back, we'll be talking with Kent Murray, board member, Maryland Horse Breeders Association, and Bill Reitler, also a member, board member of the Maryland Horse Breeders Association. The Abington Library is closed through August 2019 for a much-needed construction project. The branch windows and portions of the roof will be demolished and replaced. Abington customers are encouraged to visit any of the other 10 branches or access the digital library at hcplonline.org during this time. The Harford County Public Library appreciates everyone's patience as they complete these repairs. Updates will be posted to hcplonline.org as information becomes available. Have a small project at home that you've been putting off? Need some help but don't need a large contractor? For more than seven years, D.R. Curry Contracting, Inc. in Aberdeen has been offering residential and light commercial renovations, remodeling, and maintenance to clients in the Hartford County area. Their professional and efficient staff work on installations of windows, doors, siding, kitchen and bath remodels, and more. Customer service and satisfaction is of paramount importance in D.R. Curry Contracting, Inc.'s continued success, no matter the budget. It's time to get that project done. Call 410-272-8779. That's 410-272-8779. Let D.R. Curry, Inc. make your dream renovation become a reality. (laughs) Welcome back. I'm co-host Leslie Greenlee-Smith from the Harford County Public Library, and that is Bob Mumby, and this is the Harford Edge. We're so delighted today to have Kent Murray and Bill Reitler, both board members with the Maryland Horse Breeders Association, in the studio with us today. Bill's a licensed agent and has distinguished himself in the thoroughbred industry with more than 35 years in the business. After training horses at Mid-Atlantic Tracks for 10 years, Bill worked at Spendthrift Farms in Lexington, Kentucky, in the training, broodmare, and stud divisions for five years. He then returned to Maryland to manage Ross Valley Farms, where he built the farm and handled a top band of brood mares that included champions Heavenly Cause and Smart Angle. During his tenure at Ross Valley, he raised and prepped Houston, a 2.9 million sales yearling, and several stake horses, including Two Punch. After five years at Ross Valley, Bill accepted a management position at Chanceland Farm where he built the farm and helped establish it as a leading operation in the region. In 1999, Bill started the Bill Reitler Sales Agency. He has established himself as one of the leading sales and bloodstock agents based in the Mid-Atlantic region. His accomplishments include selling Declan's Moon, 2003 two-year-old champion, owning and racing stakes winner Pagan Moon, Owning and selling Rockside, is that correct? Rockside, mm-hmm. half sister to Champion Funny Side, carrying in utero, in utero multiple stakes winner rule. Bill is also an avid fox hunter and currently serves as the field master of Mount Carmel Hounds. Bill and his family reside in Maryland. Kent Murray grew up on a farm in Harford County. 
His earliest memories are being on a horse farm. He's been involved in thoroughbred breeding and racing his entire life. The family farm is Murmur Farm in Darlington, where they stand several stallions, including the newest, Blofeld? Blofeld, yes. All right. Several years ago, they stood a Preakness winner, Louis... Louis Couture's. Louis Couture's. Thank you. I'm glad you're sitting right next to me. The Murray Farm has been involved with many outstanding racehorses, including Celtic Guinness and Saudi Brass. Kent owns Twin Oak Farms and resides in Aberdeen with his wife. They have three grown children. Welcome, Bill, Kent, and thank you so much for coming today. I'm out of breath. You guys have been busy. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for having us. Of course. Is it good to uh, get tired of hearing that? <laughs> <laughs> Let's start. Uh, when did uh, each of you, Bill, when did you know that you were going to do this for a living? Interesting story. Um, it all started for me. My father was a had a uh, roofing contracting company. Mm -hmm. uh, we were living in a um, suburb of Baltimore, Woodlawn. Okay. And um, he came home. He was paid for a repair job on a roof. He came home with a pony in the back of his truck. A little bartering. So he lived in a little suburb. You know, everybody had maybe a half an acre of land. So he staked the pony in the backyard. Neighbors started complaining about the smell and flies and whatever else. So then he bought a farm in Westminster, located a mile away from a large thoroughbred horse farm. I started working there when I was 12 years old, sweeping barns and filling water buckets on the weekend. My dad got to be friends with the thoroughbred farm manager, and he helped dad buy a couple of $150 brood mares, bred them to the farm stallions, and it kind of all went from there for me. And you loved it from day one. Yeah, yes. And was. do you li you live in Baltimore County? Harvard County. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, what about you, Kent? When did it, when did you realize? So, I grew up on a farm. My parents have always owned a farm. Uh, grew up mucking stalls and watering horses in the barns and uh, just just how we grew up. So, I don't do that full time today. It's hard to make a living only farming, so I have an off-the-farm job and do that part-time. So uh, right now I help out on Murmur Farm as well as running my own farm. So the, um, the latest stallion, Blofeld, we went down to Kentucky and looked at him two years ago, and um, his, his father, his sire, his name Quality Road, and he was really taking off, so... We said this is a great buy, so we bought him, and he's he's our latest stallion up on uh, up on Murmur Farm. Is that the Bond villain? Yes, it is. It's, he's <laughs> named after the Bond villain. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we have tons of questions, but first, the Maryland Horse Breeders Association and someone um, everyone knows and has the best name uh, for someone in this business, Cricket Goodall. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you were going to write a book about a horse breeders association, yeah. <laughs> that's what the character would be named. Um, first of all, let's talk about the farm tour. Then we want to back up and talk about the horse breeders association and your mission and and the industry itself, what it means to all of us. Um, May eleventh, <clears throat> uh, the organization's ninetieth anniversary takes place in five counties, and it is a uh, free tour of horse farms 
And that is actually two weeks from tomorrow, right? Correct. So first of all, how do people uh, um, get involved in this and sign up for it? Well, if you want to sign up, we recommend that you sign up. Okay. So just go to the Maryland Horse Breeders Association website, and you can sign up there. MarylandThoroughbred.com. Yep, Maryland Thoroughbred. Or if you go to the Internet, you look up Maryland Horse Breeders Association. Okay. And both both locations you can sign up. So okay. you, you can also, um, if, you want, if you want to think about becoming a member, you can do that there as well. But you sign up for the farm tour, and then you have your choice of where you go. Depending on what county you're in, every county offers one or more farms to visit. And you can visit as many as you want. You can visit one. You can visit, try to make all of them in your county. You can make ones in other county, other counties. But when you go to the website, you can sign up for the particular farms you want to visit. Okay. Harford and County has three farms. Bonita, Country Life, and Murmur Farm are all on the farm tour. And there will be a sign at the end of the road, at the end of the driveways, highlighting that it's on the farm tour. Oh, good. Okay. And at the Benita Farm, you'll even get to visit the, the final resting place of uh, deputed testimony. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, 83? Preakness winner? 82? 83, yeah. 83. Um, and that was... Uh, I remember visiting that farm, and he he lived over thirty to thirty three years old, didn't oh, wow. he? Yeah, yeah, he was in his thirties. Uh, wow! I just remember him shaking his head. <laughs> I would too after that long. Yeah, it's very rare for a thoroughbred to live even to thirty. Okay, and and tell us uh, about uh, the Horse Breeders Association. First of all, it's the first one in the country, so take that, Kentucky. <laughs> well, the Maryland Horse Breeders was founded in 1929, and its mission is to <clears throat> encourage, promote, uh, protect, and improve horse breeding in Maryland. And um, what does the horse breeding industry encompass? It certainly, um, and and just break it down for us between. Uh, Horse breeding, uh, training, um, uh, boarding, etc. Talk about the, to us about the life cycle of, I know the chicken or the egg, but what is a horse breeder? What makes a good horse breeder? Uh, and I know you're going to say luck, brains, <laughs> experience, uh, art, science. Ultimately, it's measured by success on the racetrack. Okay, which can be unfair. It can be. Or very uh, fortuitous. <laughs> and, and everybody breeds to get the big winner on the racetrack, and it doesn't happen very often. And it's, uh, it's just a risk-filled game where you're always searching for that big one that carries you for some years after. Now, the, the Maryland horse breeders, though, encompasses more than just thoroughbreds. It, it encompasses all breeds and um, all functions. So when I say that, I mean it, it, it encompasses racehorses, but it also encompasses show horses. There's a lot of therapeutic riding centers in the state. Thank you, Kathy Schmidt. It, it covers all those. Yeah, we've got several here in Harford County. 
that are fairly well known. Yeah, there are more there are more horses per square mile in Maryland than any other state in the country. That's with incredible. with a with a with an economic impact for the state of over two billion dollars, we um, horse breeding and, and raising uh, in all disciplines uh, encompasses ten percent of all agricultural land. And you know, I don't know whether you know it, but agriculture is the leading industry in Maryland. I didn't realize it was uh, the, the leading. Yes. Um, with an over two billion dollar impact, that's why it's leading. And that that's um, competition, racing, therapy, recreation, all yeah, the aspects of it. All, uh, uh, yeah, know, but it's uh, not just thoroughbreds. I mean, you know, it's all disciplines. Um, that's one of the things that makes Maryland really interesting right now. In fact, tomorrow we have the uh, running of the Maryland Hunt Cup, which mm -hmm. is the toughest steeplechase race, only to the English. Uh, Grand National. I uh, so we we have um, we have a lot going on in in April with uh, every weekend with the steeplechase racing, and then of course uh, next month in May, uh, you know we have the Preakness, mm -hmm. you know coming up in May. The Kentucky Derby is the first Saturday in May, so it's uh, and really I, I I I never realized with the uh, the steeplechase. Uh, I used to work for. A good old firm downtown, Alex Brown. I'm sure you know the firm and a lot, some of our um, partners and founders are very involved. Uh, but our uh, our chairman at the time, uh, our president was Buzzy Krongard, and he said, right. "And this guy's a recon marine. He's been had been through a lot, right. tough as nails." He said, "Scariest thing he ever did was that hunt cup, oh my God. riding a hunt cup." Uh, oh, wow. Horse. Yeah, the tallest fence is the third fence, four feet eleven. The timbers in it are twelve inches around. Uh, in fact, if a horse hits one of those timbers, usually the post breaks in half, not the timber. Wow. So it's a really it's a four mile, twenty two fences uh, race. So it's if if you haven't seen it, it it's well worth worth the experience. One race. Which I will take is three thirty, four o'clock in the afternoon, tomorrow afternoon, and uh, it's it's quite quite an event. Yeah, because he said that um, it's fine the first half, but because your legs are nice and pliable and can absorb what they need to absorb, because it's a very athletic thing riding riding a a racehorse or a steeplechase horse, because you have to how your body. Rolls with the punches, as you, they say. You use your entire body. A jockey is in tremendous physical shape because he uses his upper body as well as his lower body. So and they're they say, in fantastic shape. And they say when your mu your muscles get a little, uh, a little raw after uh, half of it, oh, it, yeah. it could mean the difference. Not heading into a jump ready. So yeah, a horse um, uh, going for his third hunt cup tomorrow. <clears throat> Senior Senator is his name. He's a former horse that uh, used to race on the flat. He was claimed in a, in a uh, purchased in a claiming race at Penn National. The trainer that trained him, Flint Stites, told Joe Davies, who claimed the horse for uh, Skip Crawford, the current owners, did you claim this horse? And he said, yeah. He said, I got to tell you, be careful. This is the craziest horse I've ever trained in my life. 
The horse is phenomenal. Um, you know, he won last last week at the Grand National, uh, which actually takes place on the Griswold, Ben Griswold's course, who, and of course he's one of the, uh, you know, the founders of Alex. He's the, uh, um, Ben the fourth was, uh, right. seventh grand, the seventh generation, great, 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 great grandson of Alex Brown. Right. And right um, across from there you have, uh, Stuart Janney's farm, and Stuart Janney and Brad the Great Ruffian, you know, was a champion. Another broker for Alex Brown. Yeah. Um, well, uh, the uh, we want to talk also about just the milestones this year in the Maryland horse industry. Um, 140th anniversary of the Maryland State Fair, 125th anniversary of the Maryland Hunt Cup, 90th anniversary of the Maryland Horse Breeders Association, 85th of the Fair Hill Races, which is always fun. 75th of the Maryland Horse and Pony Show, 70th anniversary of Ocean Downs, 70th anniversary of Rosecroft, 50th anniversary of the Tuckahoe Pony Club, and the 35th anniversary of the Maryland Draft Horse and Mule Association. What is a draft horse? Is that just a, a working horse for yeah. plows or yes. put anything, a horse that pulls or works yes. on a farm? The Clydesdales are considered a working horse. Okay. And, well, speaking of uh, equine therapy, I'm on the board of uh, Hope Foundation with Derek Hopkins and uh, a lot of other folks you know. And we, the, the impact that these horses have on our, our ladies who are there living in recovery um, is just... Uh, I'm going to plug Shore Hope. Go to the uh, Facebook page. We have a great photo of two of our girls uh, with one of our horses. And um, just says, this is what recovery on the farm looks like. And they're smiling from ear to ear. Aww. So um, just another thing that the horse industry um, means um, to this uh, state and to county. Um, competition sector is... Almost 3,500 jobs. Um, recreation sec sector supports over almost 5,000 jobs. Um, therapeutic riding centers. Uh, uh, there's we have 40 of those, including over a dozen uh, veterans groups, which the equine therapy for P PTSD and other effects of battle. Um, yeah, the therapeutic riding centers in the state do, do great things. And, you know, they don't have a lot of money. They don't get a lot of money. They operate, most, for the most part, on a shoestring. Most of the people that work there are volunteers. But it gives young folks a chance to volunteer there, first of all. Mm -hmm. And they see what a difference they can make with these therapeutic riding centers. So they're really a good thing. We need to support them whenever we can. And they make a difference for the people that come there for therapy. There are um, kids that come there that have various handicaps, and it's largely the only exercise they get. Mm -hmm. But they put them up on these horses, and they just smile ear to ear, like mm -hmm. you said, Bob. Mm -hmm. And for PTSD, the, those guys work with the horses. The horses, for the most part, are very calm there. 
and it's very good for them as well. So the therapeutic riding centers in the state are really a good a good thing to sponsor when you can. Uh, a plug to one of our local ones, uh, Chesapeake <coughs> Therapeutic Riding, Kathy Schmidt. You go up there and uh, you see one of these kids. The kid might be uh, autistic or have developmental disabilities, and they get on this huge animal, and the horses seem to know. They need to. They seem to have this empathy and, and understanding, which I, is just an amazing uh, thing about the animals themselves. Um, yeah, both of my daughters volunteered at Chesapeake Therapeutic Riding mm -hmm. Center, so they both had great experiences there. That's a good thing. My nephew, it's 27. He has special needs, and he rode his whole entire life. <clears throat> and he could tell when he was getting there, and he would smile ear to ear, and he loved it. Yeah. Still goes. So we have uh, Kent Murray and Bill Reitler, both uh, board members of the Maryland Horse Breeders Association. So the website is MarylandThoroughbred.com, and that really can be your gateway into all these things. Uh, the most immediate thing is the Maryland Thoroughbred Horse Farm Tour, and uh, that is just two weeks from tomorrow, May 11th, uh, and... Baltimore, Carroll, Cecil, Frederick, and Harford counties. And you have a lot of people signed up, right? Yeah, there's um, eight or nine hundred people signed wow. up to visit thirteen different farms. That's wonderful. <clears throat> so yeah, so we're expecting a lot of folks at each farm, and we're also looking for more people to sign up over the next two weeks. Sure. So the farms will be prepared for the visitors. They'll get to see, the visitors will get to see babies that have just been born. Uh, they'll get to see stallions um, and uh, various brood mares just trotting around the, um, the fields. Wow. And I think if you try hard, you can get some of these, these breeders who uh, run these farms to talk a little bit about. Their farms. <laughs> you, know, you, uh, you said something about what makes a, a breeder a good breeder, and really, a, a breeder of a, a thoroughbred or really any horse uh, take has to be someone that has patience and and really takes a long view. When you figure from the time that a person uh, mates the mare, breeds the mare, and by the time it gets to the racetrack and, and runs, uh, you're talking almost four years. Wow. So those people invest considerable money mm -hmm. and really have to take a long view doing it. Um, and really it all starts it all starts from there. You know, a couple of fun facts just for your your listeners. Um, the uh, thoroughbred was imported in this country in the uh, 1730s. Wow. The first organized horse race was in Annapolis in the 1760s. Uh, the Maryland Horse Breeders, as we said, was founded in uh, 1929. The Maryland Thoroughbred Fund, which supports uh, breeders in the thoroughbred industry, was established in 1962 by, um, by the, um, the house in Maryland. A bill went through to assist and pay a bonus to people that, that uh, breed right thoroughbred horses in Maryland. Is that so they're all first. No, it's not anymore. They were all copied. They were all copied, and a, and a uh, breeder from Southern Maryland, Hal Claggett, uh, oh, an attorney. Yes, mm -hmm. 
And uh, so you can see that, that Maryland has quite a storied uh, history, mm -hmm. you know, in thoroughbred racing and breeding and, and horses in general. Is it true that horses existed in North America thousands of years ago and then became extinct or migrated across the Bering Land Bridge and they were brought back by the Europeans? Well, Does they're definitely sense? brought back. Uh, you know, as I said, that's when they were, they were uh, brought over from England, you know, I said mm -hmm. 1760. Or 1730. Mm -hmm. 1730. I was watching an MPT show about the Chincoteague ponies. This oh, yeah, that was great. Yeah, it was really good. And the one little gal who spoke, yep. you know, had some disabilities, some depression issues and things. And she's like, that horse gets me. So they are very intuitive animal. That was a good show. It was. So um, talk about the economics of breeding. Uh, you mentioned it requires a lot of patience, uh, significant investment. Um, and I guess you also have to be able to accept that it's like, you know, a one in 20 batting average is fantastic. So, or how does that work? Because the, most of the money doesn't come from purses. It comes from uh, studying and breeding. Uh, you, tell you us can, about that, how that either. works. So if you have a, a stallion, if you have a stud farm, you can make income from the stud fees. People pay to breed to your stud. Uh, but most of the money actually comes from racing. Oh, but it if, does. If you, take the, if you take the long view, as Bill said before, you know, three years, four years before you have any income. But, you know, that's kind of the downside. The upside is you send a, a horse to the racetrack, it doesn't do well. Okay. So it's a three, two or three-year-old, it doesn't do well. So, so that one's done. So, But you have another one waiting in the wings. So if it's a three-year-old, then you got a two-year-old that's going to the track. Mm -hmm. If that one doesn't do well, you got another one right behind it. Mm -hmm. uh, this is just from one broodmare. So... You always have other ones in the wings. So, you know, somebody said that no, no racehorse owner ever commits suicide because they always have hope. There's always hope that that next one is going to be the good one. Yeah, any horse, any horse could be the one. Yeah, as we've seen some from various Preakness winners and Kentucky Derby winners, claiming horses will occasionally win those big races. So claiming horses, I guess, is like a supplemental draft in in, in sports where no, they. It, it's a way of rating rating a horse. So if you have a, they have multiple levels. You know, five thousand, ten thousand, twenty thousand, forty thousand, and then you have allowance races, and then you have stakes races. And if a horse is not very good, you run it in a claiming race. But if you don't want anybody to take it. Then you have to run it in an allowance or a stake race. But if your horse is not very good and you run it in an allowance race continuously, you never win. So you have to drop it down to a claiming race. And if you run it in a forty thousand claiming race, it never wins. You've got to drop it down to twenty thousand. So it's a way of rating how good a horse is by the claiming price. So and mostly when you send your horse to the track, your trainer can tell you where you should run that horse the first time. 
and occasionally trainers trainers will try to slip a horse in at a low claiming price okay. and get a win and then step it up but trainers also get caught during doing that and they uh end up losing the horse for the owner and then that's not popular right so generally they try to run them at a price they think was kind of a high price and if it doesn't win they'll drop it down to a lower claiming price so it's it's a rating system for all thoroughbred horses where what level they run at is it true that owners breeders and trainers don't really like each other no, no, that's not true. <laughs> Is that a myth, or that's just like a Bob Baffert that, thing or something? It's competitive. It's competitive, oh, yeah. but you've got to like your trainer. If you're a breeder, you breed a horse, you send it to the track with a trainer, and you don't like the guy, why would you send the horse to him? Hmm. So you have to have respect for the trainer, and you've got to like him. Uh, you don't have to like him a lot, but you've got to at least like what he's doing. Mm-hmm. There was a trainer, uh, an owner, a significant uh, breeder in Maryland, Baltimore County, named Robert Meyerhoff. He bred and raised Broadbrush. Mm-hmm. It was uh, it was a very good uh, top horse, and ended up being a sire in Kentucky. And Mr. Meyerhoff said one day, he said, "You know, I learned a long and a, a long his longtime trainer used to be Dickie Small, and he passed on. And uh, he said, you know, somebody told me you better." You better like the trainer you pick because most of the time when he calls you, it's going to be bad news. Oh, true. <laughs> you better like the guy. True. So if you race a horse the first time and he's not remarkable, is there anything that you can do to make him remarkable or do you guys just well, move on? Well, there again, getting back to what I said earlier, it's a, it's a patience game. And, and, do um, they either have it or you know, not they, have it? Well, they, some, horses, some horses exhibit brilliance right away. I mean, I had a... A client, you know, at the uh, last sale, the uh, Facey Tipton Timonium Yearling Sale in October mm-hmm. held at the Timonium Fairgrounds. I had a filly by a Kentucky sire, Twirling Candy, which is doing very well as a sire now. Uh, this filly spiked 104 temperature an hour before the sale, and I had to scratch her. Mm-hmm. In other words, I had to take her out of the sale because she was ill. And... Um, a week ago, she won the first two-year-old race in Maryland. She ran it. She won by six and a half lanes. She uh, ran two-fifths of a second off the track record, and the owner, I talked to him yesterday, he was offered $300,000 for it, oh, wow. which he turned out, mm-hmm. which he declined. So really, getting back, mm-hmm. you know, some of, them, some of them show their brilliance immediately. Some mm-hmm. of them take a longer view to mm-hmm. develop, and, um, you know, some of them don't win a race at all. So it's just... Right. Part of. Well, we uh, we uh, want to come back to that because we do have a, a few questions on that. But let's uh, talk about another important aspect of this um, of this day, two weeks uh, from tomorrow, the horse farm tour. Uh, we're very lucky in Hartford to have some phenomenal agribusinesses. Uh, it's growing uh, on a number of fronts, and. Uh, my favorite is candy and, and ice cream, and <laughs> <laughs> we have Bomb Boys and Brooms Bloom and Keys, and we have uh, breweries now and distilleries that are basing uh, here. So uh, on, while you're planning your trip uh, in two weeks for the horse farm tour, and again, go to uh, MarylandThoroughbred.com, uh, 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 we have... Uh, 
probably 20 businesses that you should visit all of them. Uh, uh, in Harford, we have Bomb Boys up at Haverda Grace and Brooms Bloom right on Fountain Green and Keys, which is on a beautiful road up in uh, Aberdeen, um, on Albino and Hopewell. In Cecil, we have uh, a vineyard and winery, uh, two wineries. Uh, it's uh, Frederick. We have uh, Frederick Ice Cream and Fudge, Lincoln or Wine Cellars, Orchard Cellar, and um, some beautiful places right in um, in Baltimore County as well. Bassignani and Bordy uh, are places that we have been to and have uh, loved. Dejan Vineyards, they also have great concerts there. So... Um, make that part of the day because you can just it could be a perfect day and a very satisfying day mm -hmm. gustatorily and visually <laughs> <laughs> sweets and wine right. and horses right yes, they perfect. all go hand in hand uh we did uh want to come back on do, do you know like to leslie's question do you know you know with some horses you know it's they're a winner and some horses they can sneak up on you. Um, we had uh, uh, Peggy Chenery uh, on about two years ago, and she was Kate's. She's Kate's daughter, the secretariat. Right. Yeah. And Peggy was, I think, twelve or ten or eleven when secretariat was born. So she was this right. teenage girl right. and. Um, and she said they knew that you could tell, like, within the first few months what this horse was and how much he loved running and what a heart he had and combined with his amazing body and physical abilities. Um, uh, she said that his fastest eighth in, in the Belmont uh, now what there is, um, what there is, I guess, a 12 eighths in, a, oh, in the in Belmont. A mile and a half. So it's, his yeah, fastest well, eighth was the 13th. Um, he didn't stop running. Oh. He was, <laughs> and this is the longest race you can run. And he won by 14 half lengths. But his, the eighth after the finish line was faster than any of the others. With, uh, wow. Um, <laughs> Uh, he was he was a freak. Uh, he was he had a superior um, physical. I, th I think I think they said his heart was twice as big as a heart in any really? other horse. They just couldn't. Other horses just really couldn't run with him. I mean, there just wasn't. You know, there hasn't been another horse. There have been other triple crown winners, but certainly Secretary and mm -hmm. what he did. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so really. Leslie or I could have ridden him that day in the Belmont morning. Right. Nothing against jockeys. Screaming my head off, but I would have been proud. But part of, part of that's the breeding, though. You know, there's there's a saying is you breed the best to the best and then hope for the best. Okay. So his his breeding was very good. Mm -hmm. So when they looked at him, he was a, a fantastic physical specimen. So and he had good breeding. So. That that's why they had a very good feeling about him. Plus, you know, when you look at his physical appearance, it was just tremendous. Mm -hmm. But it's still, you breed the best of the best mm -hmm. and hope for the best. <laughs> well, what we were saying, you know, earlier, the comment we made about any horse could be the horse. 
I mean, uh, you know, Kent's talking about breeding the best of the best. Right now there's a two-year-old sale going on in Florida, and there was a, uh, a colt that brought a million two. And, and really, the allure, the allure, you know, if it came down to money, well, then you'd have the Arabs, you'd have the mm -hmm. top, you'd have the top people that uh, they would have all the good horses. Mm -hmm. But just because a horse brings seven figures doesn't necessarily, there are a lot, lot of hurdles along the way. I bet. Things that can happen. And, uh, you know, as we see leading up to the Kentucky Derby, I mean, you know, things happen every day. You know, a horse may get a bruise in its foot or he, he may get ill or whatever. Or so, fever. So really yeah. part of the allure for everybody, you know, is that challenge and that mm -hmm. quest. It's, this racing industry is just something that you can't find that you may think in your breeding program that you can find that key and consistently breed good horses, but you can't. Right. There are a lot of other it factors involved. You. And it humbles you. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think that's what that's what keeps people, you know, you, you made the comment about, you know, a breeder never committed suicide that had a young horse being born or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's true because mm -hmm. that optimism is uh, is amazing. Yeah, something like a Barbaro, uh, how jarring and shocking oh, that yeah. must have been for everybody yeah. involved with yeah. that horse. Yeah, when it all falls in line, you have to feel blessed. Uh huh. You know, um, and drinking it and enjoy it because yeah, it's a, it's yeah, quite so, a, it's so many quite things a ride. can happen. Yeah. yeah, it's quite a ride. And as a, as a a layman to this, I, I I mentioned it before we went on, um, the story behind a fleet Alex and not only the um, the inspiration uh, with um, the young girl who was was ill. Mm -hmm. uh, but in the Preakness, is is that considered one of the most amazing stretches, especially since it was Edgar uh, Prado? Prado, yeah. I mean, he was within a millimeter of going over the horse's head. Yeah. Uh, the horse tripped or got... No, there was another horse named uh, Scrappy T. They were coming down the stretch that actually, you know, slammed into him and he, and he uh, tripped him. Almost, and the horse recovered and still won. You know, wow. his trainer Tim Ritchie, he goes, "Look, this son of a gun's still going to win the race." <laughs> you know, so it was pretty amazing. Uh, but uh, but it felt like the jockey was his head was yeah. three four feet off the ground. Yeah, he was almost in front off, of the yeah. horse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, Which is there again another part of it also. Right. You know. You never know until they cross the finish line. So you have to be a little bit of a gambler to be in the business. <laughs> oh, my God. A little <laughs> bit of a gambler. They say that, you know, you were talking about that gentleman that's top on Jeopardy. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons he's successful, he bets big. He does. He's a yeah. gambler. Yep. yep. And that's... He's not afraid to. No. He's not like afraid. He and that's so why he's confident. won almost a million dollars. Yeah. He, yeah. He's over a million you know, he now. Yeah. He's over a million now. Yeah. 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 He's on his way to 1.5 million. Yeah. I think he's at 1.25 now. Yeah, 1.2, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then you figure if you're one of the other contestants, you've tried for 15 <laughs> years to be a contestant. I totally agree. And you run into this buzzsaw. Like, I was <laughs> fair get about that. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you know, that's a good point. That happens with, that happens with horses also. Mm -hmm. You'll have a year where there were, uh, I think, in uh, Seattle Slough's year. There was Sham. There were other good horses that were... Uh, Alidar, too. Yeah. Right. Affirmed in Alidar, hooking up in the same year. And, and they were with in the Triple Crown races within, you know, half a length apart in all mm -hmm. of them. So that... And then there are other years, which you alluded to, why 
you know, why are there, uh, you know, three triple crown winners in a short span of uh, time, and then, uh, you know, a gap of 40 years. Mm -hmm. So you, you just yep. never really know. Hmm. Okay, well, we're going to uh, skip the break because we have some library stuff, and we also want to talk to uh, to Bill and Kent about some other things. So they want to share some wisdom with us. Uh, so you've been forewarned. <laughs> <laughs> Pull that wisdom. Uh, Bill Reitler uh, and Kent Murray, board members of the uh, Maryland Horse Breeders Association. Uh, we've had them on. Uh, go to MarylandTheroughbred.com for everything they do, but also what's going to be a great day uh, on, um, on May uh, 11th, uh, two weeks from tomorrow, uh, the Maryland Horse Breeders Association's 90th anniversary and Maryland Thoroughbred Bread Horse Farm Tour. Yep. And also on MPT airing on May 11th is called Racing the Times, and it's the definitive documentary of Maryland's horse racing tradition. Um, and I think it was originally released in 2015, but it's a great partnership I know you guys have with MPT. So right. tune into that from 6.30 to 8 p.m. after you spend the day out on the, in the farms. And, uh, and in the creameries. I, che yeah, I checked the, the forecast, the and it's going to be beautiful that day, Excellent. sunny, right? <laughs> 71 is the number that uh, I, found, I saw on the Farmer's Almanac. <laughs> so that will be real. Uh, okay, so speaking of organizations that do great things, Aww. Uh, tell us what's coming up uh, in the library. At Hartford County Public Library, well, we are busy as ever. We have a lot of great things coming up. Um, we are working on our summer reading challenge, which will kick off on June 17th, so stay tuned for that. Um, but coming up next Saturday, May 4th, is a wonderful event called The Longest Table. It's part of our Choose Civility Initiative, and it's a partnership um, with uh, County Executive Glassman and his administration, and um, basically it's an opportunity for residents to sit down and break bread together with people you may not know, um, to talk about things, strengthen and build connections, and share ideas about Hartford County. It's open to adults and high school students who are willing to mix and mingle informally with people they may not know um, that they meet that day. Um, there's going to be an awesome brunch with bacon and eggs and potatoes and coffee and juice and all kinds of pastries. Um, tickets are $17 um, and ticket sales actually end this Sunday the 28th. And this is all um, happening at Lido's Fields at Ripken Stadium. So thank you to Matt Slatis and his team. As, once as again, always. Yep. Once again, stepping up to the plate um, and supporting a wonderful Hartford County um, event. We have some amazing sponsors I'd like to call out to. Um, again, uh, County Executive Barry Glassman and his administration, the Ironbirds, Visit Hartford. Harford, uh, Habit of Grace City Council Member Carolyn Zinner, um, we have Amy O'Neill and Company, Harford Community College, Harford County Chamber of Commerce, Harford Day School, Healthy Harford, Healthy Cecil, In Motion Video, University of Maryland Upper Chesapeake Health, and Welcome One Emergency Shelter. So we have some great partners out there. Uh, for more information, you can go to hcplonline.org. And then we have a couple author visits happening next week, which are always really special for us. On Sunday, April 28th, 
from 2 to 3.30 p.m. at our Bel Air branch, we have a Meet the Author, Charles Belfour, and he um, has been at the library several times, and he's returning to talk about his third architecture-based thriller, The Fallen Architect. Um, so he's a favorite here in Harford County. He will be selling his novel um, at the event, and he'll sign it for you, and you can get your picture taken with him. And then on Wednesday, May 5th at our Havre de Grace Library from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m., right in time for summer, um, Baltimore native J.R. Miller will introduce attendees to Towers on the Beach, a historical fiction novel that tells the tale of families living in Delaware on the Atlantic coast between Rehoboth and Bethany. It's a story of love, family, survival, and people making difficult choices. So that's all about World War II. Um, it should be a great evening, and his book will also be for sale that evening. So lots of good things happening at the library. As always. Yep, yep. Fantastic. Thanks to the whole team, led by the fearless and never-sleeping Mary Hassler. That is the truth. Um, okay, some wisdom. Uh, Bill and Kent. Kent first, what would you tell your 21-year-old self? I would tell my 21-year-old self to do something you love with your life. Because you're going to have to do it every day for a long time. And you ought to enjoy what you're doing. <clears throat> very, very good. Very good. Did you give that advice to your daughters? <laughs> <laughs> I did, actually. Good. That's great. Uh, it's fun. I, I'm very proud of my daughter because she, be. she has a undergraduate degree and master's in astrophysics. And now she's traveling the world uh, playing music and busking uh, <laughs> with two friends. Wow. Awesome. She'll never regret it. <laughs> no, no. Talk about extremes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay, Bill, what's yours? You know, we mentioned it earlier, and it, the light bulb immediately went on over your head. I would say, listen more than you speak. Uh, that's yours. That's mine. <laughs> that's mine, too, yeah. Mine is just, shut up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you don't learn anything when you talk. <laughs> yeah, and, when the mouth opens, the ears close. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. you, get, you lose the opportunity to find out what somebody's thinking. What's important to them? Mm -hmm. How you can get them to do do what you want? Um, and so many of us just so no. If I really blurt out everything I know in the first five <laughs> minutes, they're gonna love me. <laughs> Excellent. That's a great one. Um, well, we have two minutes because we started a little late. A few things from Mark Twain's while we're on wisdom. Um, uh, the young know the rules. The old know the exceptions. Two, there is always free cheese in a mouse trap. <laughs> That's a great like one. It. Wow. Those who look for hate usually find it. <laughs> True. Uh, those who won't think will normally will have it done for them. Um, to refuse praise is to seek praise twice. Wear old clothes when you fight for truth and liberty. Um, wisdom is knowing when to avoid perfection. Um, always forgive your enemies. They hate that. <laughs> <laughs> that is the truth. Diplomacy, the art of letting someone else have your way. 
<laughs> and this was typical clean. That's Don't play one. stupid with me. I'm better at it. <laughs> <laughs> and drive no faster than your guardian angel can fly. And last, never attribute to malice what is more likely due to ignorance. Yep. <laughs> yep. Somebody passed me on a double line um, on one of these back roads coming in. That's Some scary. kid had to be doing Jeez. 70 miles an hour and a 40 miles an hour. You know, yep. I'm sure around a curve yeah. when you can't see what's ahead of you. That just... Mm. Just uh, this, this myth of invincibility. Yep. Um, if, there, if there's a way it could be taught, mm -hmm. um, but it's hard. It is hard. Even harder is to close the show today. It's been an awesome show, but that's all the time we have for the Hartford Edge today. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you guys for joining us today, and we'll talk Thank with you, you next week. Pleasure being here. And come out on May the 11th. Yes. Amen. Amen.